welcome to Transforming Minds, Transforming Lives, a podcast series of RCCG Living Spring Pittsburgh. Stay tuned for our senior pastor, Boyga Esson. We started on a topic called the Little Foxes. Our Little Foxes, Songs of Solomon, chapter 2 and verse 15. The Bible says, Catches the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vine. For our vines have tender grapes. And we say little foxes are little sins that we don't pay attention to. They are sins of the heart. They are not the big sins. They are little, little sins. And they are also blind spots in our life. It's possible to have a blind spot and you are not even aware of it. So these little, little sins we said, they can actually destroy the vine. Because they are little, nobody pays attention to them. Because they are sins of the heart. It's very unlikely anybody repent or anybody go before God and say, Father, Lord, I've committed sin. I've murmured today. I've grumbled today. You know, but it's a sin. It was because of murmuring and grumbling. The Israelites didn't make it to the promised land. So these are little, little sins. Envy. There's no legislation against them in the law of man. I mean, if you envy, you're not violating any law of man. But certainly you are violating the law of God. Lusts. These are things we overlook. But they go a long way to hamper and to destroy our relationship with the Lord. We've spoken about six of them now. And as you begin to take care of the little, little foxes, you will see more of God's manifestation in the mighty name of Jesus. You know, it's a matter of the heart. We serve God from the heart. We worship him from the heart. So when your heart is not right in whatever form, is a problem. And these are sins of the heart that we don't pay attention to them. We don't repent of them. We don't actually actively get them out of our lives. So the whole essence is for us to see them and to work on getting them out of our lives. So today is ingratitude, ingratitude. In 2 Kings chapter 8 and verse 1, 2 Kings chapter 8 verse 1, the Bible says in 2 Kings chapter 8 verse 1, Elisha spoke to the woman whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, go, you and your household, stay wherever you can, for the Lord has called for a famine, and furthermore it will come upon the land for seven years. It will come upon the land for seven years. The Bible is a continuum. I'm sure you know that. The chapters are just for demarcation purposes, for us to be able to reference them. So towards the end of Second Kings chapter 7, we read a story there of four lepers who God gave a breakthrough to. For several days, the city of Samaria was besieged by the Syrians. They locked down the city. People couldn't buy, they couldn't sell, they couldn't do any business. The famine in the land got so bad that people were beginning to hit their children for meal. And somehow God gave them a mighty deliverance through four lepers. It was a mighty deliverance. I mean, the people were beseeching them. God made them to hear a great noise. And they thought it was the Samaritans who were coming to attack them, and they fled for their, their life. But by the time the four lepers who were just scrambling to go there, got to this place, they saw a Lajis. It was just a miracle. It was a mighty breakthrough. And of course, they called the whole city, and overnight, there was abundance from farming. There was total abundance. Is my prayer, God will do a quick work in your life. In the mighty name of Jesus, overnight, it will turn your adversity to prosperity. Overnight, it will turn your farming to abundance. God does those things. Overnight, it will turn your sicknesses to health. In the mighty name of Jesus. For with our God, nothing shall be impossible. God does the miraculous. So overnight, these people just came into like Jesus. And the famine of several days just evaporated just like that. But guess what? There was no praise session. 
There was no record that they came together to thank God. There was no procession. And automatically in Second Kings chapter 8, the next chapter, the next season, God was again calling for a famine. Think about it. They just came out from a famine. It was breakthrough, breakthrough galore. And after the famine, God was calling again for another famine. For the Lord himself called for a famine. Because they refused to glorify God, they refused to actually thank God for the largest who was calling for another famine. Even if you show gratitude to a man, he pains them. If you read Luke chapter 17, verse 7 to 8, God ate 10 lepers. He said, go show yourself to the priest on their way going. They got healed. One of them came back out of 10. And with a loud voice, the Bible says he glorified Jesus. And Jesus said, were there not 10 cleansed? Why is it there is only one? And mind you, that guy that came back was a Samaritan. He was not a Jew. He was an outsider. He was an outsider. So he came back to say thank you to Jesus. Believing sincerely in gratitude is a sign of the end time. And it's so pervasive. You see it everywhere. When I was working, I shared this before. One guy came. He told me a litany of woes that I have this challenge. I'm so challenged financially. Somehow I was moved. So I gave him half of my salary. We were working together in the same place. After he shared his litany of woes, I was so moved. I split my salary into two, gave him one. Ah, he was so happy because we worked together. So he knows, he knows that that was a mega gift. And he went. That was in the evening of one particular day. The following morning, this guy came back. He didn't come to tell me thank you. I told him, maybe, well, maybe he's very busy. So by the end of the day, we'll come back and say thank you. I waited the whole day. He didn't come back to say thank you. I waited again. He had forgotten. Mind you, what I gave him was a sacrifice. I had to go tell him that, look, you are an ingrate. That believe me, if I see you lying down, if I see you almost dying, you may laugh at it, but that's what we do with God. That's what we do. Ungrateful people, they soon forget. They forget so easily. And that itself is a sin. You forget so easily. David said, forget not all his benefits. They forget so easily. This guy, I gave him practically half of my month. He didn't come back. He didn't even remember to come and say thank you. So even God, even man, when you show him gratitude, he pains them. And Jesus Christ told us in Luke chapter 17, 7 to 8, that look, were there not 10 cleansed? How come there is only this guy that is coming back to say thank you? God called for a famine after an abundance. He himself called for a famine just to let you know how grievous ingratitude is. And ingratitude will adding your heart towards God. You see, one of the blessings of thanking God of worship is that worship and thanksgiving soften your hearts. It makes your heart tender towards God. It makes your heart tender towards God. And when your heart is tender towards God, God can easily move you around. But when you are not grateful, it hardens your heart. And you don't want to be in a situation that your heart is hard towards God. But that's what the gratitude does. That's why God keeps on telling us, praise me. That's why we see in David's life, he was always thanking God. Ingratitude will make your spiritual life dry. And of course, praise will also make your spiritual life so nourishing. Many times, when you don't even have anything to ask God, just praise Him. Just tell yourself for the next step, or just thanking God. It does something to your soul, it nourishes your soul. If you are always easily so sad, always find yourself so, so, so sad, check it out. You are not being grateful. You are not being grateful. People who are not being grateful, they always see their losses, they count their losses and not their blessings. The songwriter said, count your blessings, name them one by one. It will surprise you what the Lord has done. 
that what you are taking for granted is not to be taken for granted. How many of us are supposed to be out here today to testify? But we will not do it. It doesn't matter. Ah, yeah, it's one of those things. It's one of those things. It's not one of those things. Because if you fail to thank him for what he's done today, he will not do what you want him to do. That's how this thing works. I told that guy, if I see you lying down almost dead, I will pass by. God forgive me. That was how painful. So, I don't know what God has done for you. I don't know. Maybe supernaturally somebody gave you some school fees. Did you actually deem it fit to actually say thank you to God? And do you know, ingratitude is not just in words only, even in actions. Many of us don't pay tight because we don't think well enough that the job you are doing is by the grace of God. That the memory you still have, that the sound is God's grace. And for you to now take part of that, to say thank you, Jesus, this is my offering, this is my tithe, you don't even do it, it's ingratitude. When you see so much of God's goodness, you don't honor him with your substance, you don't serve him with your life, you just come in, do the dancing and go. Ingratitude can be in words, actions, and thoughts. Just check yourself. It's a little fox, but it goes a long way. Many blessings are hanging. Because you haven't thanked him enough for what he's done yesterday. That's why something is still hanging. But if you can name those blessings one after the other, the psalmist say, forget not all his benefits. People who always count their losses, they say, God hasn't done anything for me. They're ungrateful. But if you can just thank God for the little he's done, and you take your time and thank him, it will do more. There's nothing to thank God for, genuinely. That can go bad. When you keep on thanking him for something, it can't go bad because he's a very faithful God. It's my prayer that this issue of ingratitude, this little fox, by the grace of God, we will set it apart. Let us learn to itemize our blessings. Some months back, I listed 25 things God has done for me. It was deliberate. Please go list out what God has done. Because at times, if you don't list them out, you will forget. Those things you call common. They are not common to some people. Do you know how at times I feel so strong in my physical body? I will just be thanking God for feeling strong. Not everybody my age feels strong. If you don't learn to itemize them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, you will not appreciate God. The Bible says, count your blessings. And if you can focus on those blessings and thank Him genuinely, what you are wishing or what you are hoping for, it will just come to you just like that. Little messes, but we don't even reckon with them. It is God, my brother. It is God, my sister. <laughs> it's my prayer you never taste the other side of life. I will never taste the other side of life in the mighty name of Jesus. So, selfishness. Selfishness is actually at the root of practically all sins, just like greediness, just like lust. Selfishness. This will spread the vine of self-fulfillment. The Bible says that he who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life for my sake we find it and keep it for eternal life. So the high, the ego, every man has an ego, the Adamic nature of man, that is our self, that is our core. The self is so critical. Everybody loves themselves. There's what we call excessive love. Where you love yourself so much that you don't pay attention to people around you, you don't give a blind monkey to what is happening to your neighbor, it's just you, I, my family, that's all you are living for. Your prayers say it. All you are praying about all day long is just you and yourself. Selfishness is a little fox. And God can hardly use selfish people. Because God himself is a distributor. God loves mankind. 
he loves mankind too much that he gave his life for mankind. So when God is going to use a man, he's thinking of a man that is selfless, that is sacrificial. He's thinking of a man that is not self-absorbed. He's thinking of a man that is not just self-loving alone. Yeah, there's nothing wrong in loving yourself. The Bible says, as a matter of fact, say, look, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Say, they love your neighbor as yourself. He never said love your neighbor more than yourself. Say, but the way you love yourself, that's the way you should love your neighbor. The way you forgive yourself, the way you excuse yourself, the way you pardon yourself, that's the way you should pardon your neighbor, that's the way you should excuse your neighbor. So, when you now excessively love yourself, is a problem. Is a problem. The ego in man is a problem. And when you lay down your ego, God begins to bless you. When you can daily damage the flesh, when you can daily deal a big blow upon the flesh, anything your flesh doesn't want is good for you. Anything your flesh does not want is good for you. It doesn't want to fast, it's good for you. It doesn't want to give to God and his cause, it's good for you. Anything that your flesh is complaining about, there's a blessing in it. Because the more you die to yourself, the more the power of God, the more the life of God is revealed. That's how this thing works. There's a treasure in you. But the more you squeeze that earthen vessel, the more the treasure in you is able to proceed and protrude out. But if the ego remains intact, God cannot find expression through you. Never you forget that. Never you forget that. God always wants to find expression. The Holy Spirit is here. It's a treasure in earthen vessels. But as long as the earthen vessel is intact, the alabaster box is not broken. That woman for the perfume, for the cologne to ooze out, to spread, for the cologne to actually do its job, the alabaster box must be broken. If the flesh is intact, you cannot see God manifesting in your life. And that's big. If you love your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it. Jesus went to the cross for you and I. Amen. He went to the cross. Now he said, I've given my life to you. Now give your life back to me and give your life back to humanity. That's how this thing works. So when you are just thinking of yourself alone, you never give to any worthy cause, you never pray for another person, it's just you, you're just self-absorbed. That's not a good place to be in at all. Selfishness is very key, is very major. Of course, how do I know a man who is selfish? He has excessive self-love. How do I know a man who is selfish? He's self-absorbed. This guy who is selfish is self-absorbed. He's preoccupied with his own interest, emotions, and situations. He's just preoccupied with his own interest, emotions, and situations. And let me tell you this. The reason why many people are so unhappy these days is because of selfishness. The reason why people are so unhappy, dissatisfied, why they are so depressed, is because they are just self-absorbed. They are preoccupied with their own interests, their own uh, circumstances, their own emotions. When you are preoccupied with yourself, you can't be happy. But when you begin to give to others what you lack, maybe you lack joy, you begin to give joy. When you begin to do that, you get better emotionally. Because the way God designs us is for us to give back. The Dead Sea never gives back. It's always taken. It's always taken. It's self-absorbed. That's why it's called the Dead Sea. Nothing living is in the Dead Sea. Nothing living. Because it's always taking, every river flows into it. It's not flowing out. It's self-absorbed. That's why you see all the stench going on there. It can't give life. So if you are just all taking, taking, you never really find the expression to give out. You are self-absorbed. You are your own world. That's not a good place to be in. 
And if you are in your own world, you are to be pitied because your world is too small compared to what God is trying to bring to you. If you are just in your own world, you are to be pitied. Many are not happy today because they are selfish. Many, not a few. They are just self-absorbed. It's just me and myself and I. No. If you want to see, if you want to know joy, if you want to be satisfied, become a giver. Give your talent, give your time to other people, give your money, give your resources. You will realize you become better. Realize that somehow you become happier. People are not happy because they are self-absorbed. That's the reason why many are in depression today. How do I know a man who is selfish is a man who is self-serving? A man who is self-serving. He doesn't serve God the way he's supposed to serve God. He doesn't serve people. He's self-serving. That is how I know a man who is selfish. And the Bible says so clearly, say, it shall not be so among you. So among the Gentiles, among the worldly people, their rulers rule over them. You know, they have authority over them. But Jesus said those that will be great in the kingdom of God, they will be servant of all. As a matter of fact, he used the word slave there. That's big. Amen. That's big. He says here, yet it shall not be so among you, but whoever desires to become great shall be your servant. For even someone did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. So Jesus didn't come to be served. And he's the model we are following. So if you don't serve humanity, you don't serve God the way you're supposed to serve God, it's just all about you alone, you are not doing well. It is a little fox, and it will damage. People are depressed because they are self-absorbed. They have no outlets. It's just they, their family, they're just in their own cocoon. And that's why they suffer much. Because God designs that everything reproduces after his own kind. If you are being blessed so abundantly, that God says to bless other people. He's more blessed to give than to receive. If life has been so good to you, then even creation expects you to be good back to life, to look for somebody and pour yourself into them. So those that are great in God's kingdom, they are the servant of all. If you want God to lift you, they come down. For you to conquer, you have to stoop. With God to conquer, you have to first of all stoop. You have to go down. You want God to lift you up, he says, first of all, come down. Jesus came down for him to be glorified. Self-seeking people, self-seeking, they are selfish. It's all about themselves alone. They don't care about God's work. They don't care about God's work. They don't care. They are not zealous about the house of God. They are not zealous about the things of God. They are self-seeking. How do I know a man who is selfish is self-seeking? Yes, you see, just like I told you, we are all human beings. And the core of you is self. The core of you is self. But the more you give, the more you deal with people on self, the better you become. The Bible says so clearly, except a corn of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it abides alone. But once it dies, it brings forth much fruit. Whatever thing you are planting, first and foremost, dies before it begins to resurrect. So until you learn to say no to your flesh on a daily basis, until you learn to set aside pride, self-pride, until you learn to set aside self-pride on a daily basis, you can't go far with God. It doesn't matter what your achievements are. God can use anybody. But you have to learn to set aside, to set aside that thing that makes you think. You have to learn to be humble. You have to learn to do the will of God. Self-seeking people, they don't give up their talents. They don't give up their money. They just absorb. And of course, they don't make an attempt to break the selfish trick that is in them. It's my prayer God will help us in the mighty name of Jesus. How do I know a selfish person? He has excessive self-love. He's self-absorbed. He's self-seeking. He's self-serving. Of course, it's also self-preserved. 
Luke chapter 12 and verse 19, he said, preserved. I'm sure you heard the parable Jesus gave of the rich fool. He actually called him the rich fool. This guy, his business boomed in a particular year. Oh, jumbo, mega profit. And he said, okay, I've made so much mega jumbo profit. I will pull down my warehouses. I will build larger ones, and I will stop my money so that I will now tell my soul, soul, take, eat, drink, be merry. The future is guaranteed. And Jesus said that tonight your soul will be required of you. Money cannot guarantee the future. It's great to have retirement accounts. It's great to have so much money stored up for your retirement years. But money cannot guarantee retirement. Money cannot guarantee the future. They get all they can. They can all they get. And they sit on the can. Because they want to guarantee the future. And many times, that future is always messed up for them. So they say, oh, I've made so much money. I've made so much money. Let me just go and begin to make merry. When you are so self-absorbed, I pray that your future is blessed. Many smart, rich people, after they have made so much money, they will now create a foundation by which to give back massively. The essence of wealth is to give back, is to be a blessing to mankind. How many beds can you lie on every day? How many cars do you want to drive? So in real terms, many times, your needs are not too plentiful. As a matter of fact, God needs our needs. is the wants, is the greed that is the problem. But God says be content with what you have. Many people don't realize we are stewards. We are stewards. You are not the owner of the money in your bank account. That may shake you. It is God. You are not the owner of your children. It is God. We are stewards. Those things have been placed in your trusts. And the way you use it, you will give account at some point in time. At some point in time, you give account. So those who are selfish, they have excessive self-love for themselves. They are self-seeking, self-serving. They are self-absorbed. They are also self-preserved. But the good news is this. Where sin abounds, grace also superabounds. In other words, bring yourself to your awareness. I also see myself in this. But Paul the Apostle says, he said, I die daily. What's he dying to? He's dying to the flesh. Because if I can die daily, then the life of God in me will be revealed and made manifest. But if you're not even aware that the self is a problem, that the, your ego, your flesh, your atomic nature is a problem, then you just do life anyhow. No! It is in dying that we live. Whatever thing you plant first of all dies before it begins to blossom. If it doesn't die, it can't blossom. It's my prayer God will help us. He will also help me in the mighty name of Jesus. Whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, we save it. You save your life by giving your heart to God, by giving your life to God. Thank you for listening. And make sure you subscribe for more great podcasts.